0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before I uh, begin formally, I just want to say um, it is always a pleasure to have Bishop Morales with us. So thank you for being with us, Your Grace. Um, you know, he's, he's here not on his official visit, but unfortunately because of uh, Mary Ann's funeral yesterday. Uh, but it is always uh, a pleasure to have you with us. So just thank you again. This morning's Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 3. But before we look at the reading itself, I want us to take a quick review of Matthew's Gospel thus far. Matthew begins his Gospel by giving the genealogy of Jesus, which we've talked about quite a bit in our course, The Story of the Bible. Uh, This is Matthew's not-so-subtle way of summarizing the story of Israel He's emphasizing a few important figures, a few important figures, one important event, and indicating as clearly as he can that the story he's going to tell about Jesus is the climax of that much larger story. This is, chap- this is verse 17 of chapter 1. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations From the deportation of Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. In other words, the story goes like this. Abraham, David, exile, Messiah. And therefore, Matthew's Gospel, the story of Jesus of Nazareth, is the story of the Messiah. The climax of that great story of Israel. Abraham, David, exile, Messiah. And so we get in verse 18, the very next verse now, verse, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Matthew is telling us the story of the birth of this man, this person who brings Israel's story to its climax. And then in the next chapter and a half, right, so the rest of chapter 1 and all of chapter 2, Matthew has to solve a problem. He has to explain how this man, who is named Jesus of Nazareth, can be the Messiah. Because the prophet Micah had said, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the, cl- the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth one for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. The Messiah was supposed to come from Bethlehem. But Matthew's claim is that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. And so Matthew spends the next chapter and a half discussing how Jesus of Nazareth came to be born in Bethlehem and then eventually came to to live and be raised in Nazareth. But Matthew isn't simply, and this is, this is important, Matthew isn't simply describing geographical movement, right? He's not the GPS on your phone that's telling you, well, then the Holy Family turned left ahead and then they drove for 31 miles and then they turned to left and went here. That's not what Matthew was doing. Matthew is doing something far more compelling. I'm going to read a few verses and I want you to tell me if you can notice this kind of recurring theme in what he's doing. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. He went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. Is there a word or some words that you notice recurring again and again in those verses? Fulfilled, yes, fulfilled. Or, as I would prefer, because I don't exactly like the language of fulfillment, I would prefer, filled full, filled full. Matthew is making the claim again and again that Jesus of Nazareth isn't merely bringing the story of Israel to its climax, but equally significantly, he is filling it full, like a cup that's only kind of half full, and now he's filling it all the way to the brim. He's giving it meaning in all kinds of unexpected ways. And if you're wondering, well, why doesn't he like Why doesn't he like fulfillment language? It's because most of the verses that Matthew quotes aren't actually prophecies and therefore can't be fulfilled in the way that we normally think about prophecy and fulfillment. Most of what Matthew refers to are prophetic recollections of past events in Israel's story. And so St. Matthew is saying that the significance and meaning of these texts And the events to which they refer are now being filled to the full in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. And then we turn to chapter 3. Matthew's telling us all this wonderful stuff about Jesus, about the Holy Family, about their travels, how Jesus of Nazareth went to Bethlehem, went to Egypt, eventually settled in Nazareth And when we turn to chapter 3, we might expect him to finally tell us a story that centers on Jesus. Centers on the person about whom he's made this remarkable claim. Maybe we expect to hear a story about Jesus as a young man. Maybe we expect to learn something about his education. Maybe we expect to learn something about his upbringing. Instead, instead of a story like that, what we get is the preaching of John the Baptist. Now, I've said this before, and I will say it again because it is worth repeating. There are many stories, events, and sayings in the gospel that are important and significant. But for various reasons, they only occur in one or maybe a few of the gospels but not in all of them. For example, the summary of the law. We say it nearly every Sunday. The summary of the law only, recu- only occurs in the synoptic gospels. The Lord's Prayer. What could be more significant than the Lord's Prayer? The Lord's Prayer is only found in Matthew and Luke. It's not in Mark. It's not in John. Same for the birth of Jesus, only in Matthew and Luke. Same for the Beatitudes, only in Matthew and Luke. Only John discusses Jesus' pre-incarnate existence, at least at any length. All the Gospels tell the story of Jesus in their own way. They pick certain stories. They emphasize certain themes. But there are a few things like the, like the crucifixion, like the resurrection. There are a few things that make it into every gospel. Into every gospel. Do you know what event is mentioned in all four gospels? The preaching of John the Baptist. The verses we heard this morning on the second Sunday of Advent. By the way, I grew up around Baptists and John is my favorite. Uh, (laughs) It's not just that John appears in all the Gospels. It's that in all the Gospels, the explicit connection identifying John the Baptist with the voice crying in the wilderness from Isaiah 43 is put front and center. I, again, I'm not going to read all these. Matthew three three from our reading. For this is he of who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's Isaiah 43. Mark 1.3, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Luke 3.4, As it is written in the words of the book of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, John one twenty three. I am the voice of the One crying out in the wilderness. All four Gospels want you to be absolutely clear that John is the voice crying in the wilderness. But what is it that the voice cries? That's what I want us to think about this morning. What is it that the voice in the wilderness cries? Why does this matter so much? If you go back to Isaiah, this is the full text. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. That her iniquity is pardoned. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Remember the story. Abraham, David, exile, Messiah. John, John the Baptist is the voice announcing that the exile is at last coming to an end. And he announces this how? With one simple, life-changing world-changing command. Repent. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Daniel had spoken of a coming kingdom that he described as a stone cut from the mountain without human hands that would smash the statue of the idolatrous kingdoms of this world the kingdom of that stone, the kingdom of that sun would never be destroyed. It would stand forever. But Daniel also spoke of a son of man to whom would be given dominion and glory in a kingdom that all nations... And languages and people should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That kingdom, John says, is at hand. The end of the exile, the first domino to fall, is at hand because John is the Isianic voice crying in the wilderness. And the... And what that voice in the wilderness cries is that this is the time. Now is the moment. The time for warfare to be ended. The time for forgiveness of sins. The time, most incredibly, for God to return back to His people. That is what Matthew wants us to believe about Jesus. what all the Gospels want us to believe about Jesus. That is what John wants us to believe about Jesus. They want us to believe that in Jesus of Nazareth, the one for whom we wait this and every advent, the kingdom of God, the long-awaited kingdom of God is at hand because the Lord is at last returning in the person of of Jesus of Nazareth. And so John gives us, he gives the people of God, a very simple command this Sunday. Repent. This isn't Lent. This is Advent. But the command to repent is still there. The voice in the wilderness cries, Prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist is that voice and what he cries is, Repent. Repent. That is how the people of God prepare the way of the Lord. That is how we prepare ourselves for the way of the Lord. That is how we prepare our hearts for the coming of our King. We repent. We repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In this child who is coming, The story of Israel is filled full. He is the end of Israel's exile and of our exile from the garden. He is the King whose kingdom shall never be destroyed and shall stand fast forever. He is the Lord returning back to His people at at long last. And to His people, to all of you this morning, the voice in the wilderness cries, Prepare the way of the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen.